Hi, this is Kurt Snyder from NewarkAdvocate.com, and I'm back here with my colleague Dave Whitig, and we've reached week four of the high school football season. Welcome to the Advocates Licking County Football Podcast. And Dave, uh, before we get into week four, we take a look at week three, and we only have a couple of two and a couple three and O teams left. And uh, you know what's stood out to you the most? Well, I think uh, I think going into the season, uh, both both teams' uh, offensive lines were a big question mark. And, uh, and they both came through with flying colors against uh, tough opposition uh, this, this past week. Of course, uh, everyone got to see Licking Valley on Thursday night and what they're capable of, the, the great balance that they bring. But uh, the fact they were able to run the ball on, on such a good uh, defense in Johnstown uh, really opened my eyes a little bit and, uh, uh, you know, showed me that they're, they're kind of ahead of schedule, uh, much like uh, Granville's offensive line. Now, now granted, uh, they beat Eastmore Academy, who, who Returned only two starters uh, from last year's state semifinal team, but uh, you know, still, still quality opposition. And the fact they were able to, you know, run the ball on them and shut out an explosive team like that uh, spoke volumes to me. Well, and you look at those two teams, and you know, Looking Valley was ranked number three in the first state pool in Division Four. Uh, Granville ranked number seven in Division Three, and I think they're worthy of that because you look at both teams. Both teams pl- have played really good schedules. You know, this isn't built up on a couple of cupcakes and one good win. You know, we've talked about it a lot with Looking Valley. You go through Sheridan, Heath, Johnstown, three teams who, you know, feel like they're going to have good teams, maybe playoff teams. And Granville's the same way when you look at perennial powers like Marion Franklin, Clear Fork, and Eastmore Academy. I think that makes the 3-0 and stand out even more. Well, it, de- it definitely does. And, uh, you know, I'm sure uh, – Teams coming into the season, especially Granville, you know, they talked about the the opening gauntlet that they had to, to had to run, and uh, you know, of course, it'll continue with Granville this week with the, their trip to Johnstown. But uh, yeah, uh, to come out of that unscathed is uh, is pretty impressive, and um, you know, I think you know, Licking Valley's case, it all started with that opening night. We talked about how big that game with Sheridan was. Uh, Sheridan now two and one, uh, you know, winning at their place, beating a rival like that, and setting the tone for the season. Uh, I think they've uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, ridden the momentum off of that. And, uh, but I don't think anyone predicted what would happen the other night to, uh, against Johnstown, not even, the, not even the Panthers. Well, that's what it is. You know, a few people, you know, looking Valley sideline were kind of, you know, happily kind of shaking their head like, oh, you know, they're, they're kind of impressed with themselves. Not the players or coaches necessarily, but a lot of people around the program uh, and certainly fans. You know, they obviously these are you know games ahead that could, could be pitfalls here. Uh, you mentioned Granville at Johnstown. Uh, both teams have, a, or at least Licking Valley has uh, Watkins Memorial down the road mm-hmm. uh, before a potential Week Nine matchup. Granville and Licking Valley is it too early to think about eight no versus eight no, Dave? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think it really could happen. Uh, I'm not trying to take anything away from the the other teams on the schedule. Or maybe that'll give them motivation. I don't know. Uh, we've seen a, a lot of parity in the LCL, though, so you can't really take anyone for granted uh, in the in the league this year. But I think it's a distinct possibility, at least with the way they're playing now. Definitely. And certainly uh, these two teams seem to be getting better. I'm sure other teams are improving. And uh, everybody, you know, improves at their own speed. You know, that's the thing. And, and I think that's the thing we see about teams kind of at the other end of the spectrum. You know, Newark uh, got on the board as far as the scoreboard this past week. Unfortunately, they did not get in the win column. 
They lost 23-20 to Marion Harding. Uh, they got a lot closer than what they were against Zanesville and Mount Vernon. You know, they sustained offense. Defense had an uh, outstanding uh, game in the second half. The defense actually shut out Marion Harding. Marion Harding's only score, unfortunately, came on a fumble return that ended up being the difference in the game. Uh, you look at you know, Northridge losing 7-6 to Centerburg. Again, it's not a victory yet, but I think we're seeing teams that are starting to get to get better. They gel. You know, guys in new roles are uh, starting to feel more comfortable. And uh, you hope to see that then translate into results here as we get into the midway part of the season. Yeah, and, uh, you know, a really pivotal game for both teams there. You talk about Northridge. Uh, Lake Lakewood playing at Northridge. Uh, you know, to, to a lot of fans, that might not seem like that big a game. But to those two teams, it's a huge deal. Uh, they played double overtime last year, you know, uh, I know, I know Lakewood uh, is a little disappointed with the way they played against Wellston the other night. Uh, they thought that was a winnable game at home, and, and Wellston proved to be a formidable opponent uh, more than I think they, they thought they would be. But, but Northridge, um, you know, they got off to a bad start there at Shenandoah, who's 3-0, and, and, and played pretty well the rest of the way. So in, the, in that game, I, once again, uh, Coach Lee talked about last year Northridge was able to uh, run their offense and, and, and keep – Lakewood's offense off the field for with lengthy drives, and that that's something they have to avoid, and they have to match their physicality, which uh, they didn't against Wellston the other night. Definitely, you look at Lakewood, and you know that that right there is, is the key to the game. You know, some games are uh, maybe less obvious. That one I feel like is obvious because Wellston had a back that ran for over 250 yards. Mm-hmm. So Northridge is going to see that, whereas you know they use multiple backs. You know, not just Dylan Parman, but they see that and say. Hey, you know, that's something we could probably take advantage of. And, and I think that's the challenge for Lakewood. I'm sure their coaching staff is a challenging those guys, uh, all 11 guys on defense. It's not just the defensive line, not just the linebackers. It's got to be a collective effort to be better defensively to give the offense a chance. You know, the offense, if they barely have the ball, that's when you uh, struggle and you force things and you end up, you know, making mistakes. And then you just score at the end of the game uh, to get on the board and, and nobody really cares. Right. Right, and you know, once again, you play a team like Northridge. You want to make them play from behind and not be not be chasing them when when they you know when they can run the clock like they do. And you know, let's face it, they have a they have a tough offense to defend in the wing tee. Which you know, I, I was at Lakewood's practice uh, yesterday, and uh, you know they were they weren't having problems against it, but they, it's certainly a different a different approach, different outlook when you're trying to face that. Definitely. Northridge, you know, mentioned Parman. You've got the, the guys like Cole Fox and Jake Reese that, you know, are the four-year starters that are people that they, you know, lean on tremendously. Uh, I got a chance uh, recently to talk to senior Brian Crayhole, and uh, Brian is, is a kid who had never played football until last year, and then he goes out week two and he tears his ACL. And it would have been, you know, really a, a thing where I asked him, it's like, did you regret your decision? Are you thinking, why in the world did I do this? But he was at practice every day then after that, you know, as soon as he was cleared to at least be back on crutches and be at practice, you know, at games. And, you know, Coach Campbell said he took advantage of that time to to learn the sport, to learn the nuances of what Northridge does in particular. And he's been an important piece for them this year, uh, giving them an outside threat with everything they do inside to keep, you know, defenses honest from crowding that box. Uh, and also being a pivotal player on defense, as you know, Northridge players have to go both ways, uh, like several of our smaller schools in this area. Uh, you mentioned talking about Lakewood before we finish up with them. 
you know, their, their goal has been to find uh, more and more weapons. And uh, Colt Verstra only had a couple of catches against Wellston, but uh, Ryan Ogilby got into the end zone again. And they have several weapons here where, yeah, Connor doesn't just have to look for Colt. He has other people to try to distribute the ball to. Well, one, one thing they've been lacking in the, in the last couple of games, and that's uh, Zeb Mansker, who uh, not, not only is a receiver for him, but more importantly, a defensive end. And it's really hurt him defensively, especially against a team like Wellston. And they're not sure if he'll be back this week or not, but they're uh, they're certainly hoping he is. And, but they don't want to they don't want to rush him. But you know, you hate to put it on one player, but he's a key one for him. Definitely. Uh, I mentioned Newark earlier. Uh, we'll step out of the LCL player for a second and talk about the Wildcats. They host Lancaster, and you know, there it's no secret. Uh, the last several years, uh, this matchup has not been kind to the Wildcats. But it's a little different here the last couple years. Uh, you know, a few years ago, of course, Lancaster, they were a wing T team, and they run, run, run. Last year, Lancaster was much more a passing-oriented team, and they hit Newark with a lot of big plays through the air. They're still throwing it more than they run, at least, you know, from an efficiency standpoint. But with a new quarterback and having graduated some people, Lancaster's offense is not as, you know, is not as maybe explosive as it has been in the past. Well, uh, I look at this as I still look at it as a, an old COL rivalry game, and I think if you ask Coach Carpenter, he'd like to still have Zanesville on the schedule because he, he, he the last time I talked to him, he said, "Yeah, I, I love the, the COL rivalries. That Newark is still a big rival for us, and um, they still get up for him. But by the, by the same token, Newark gets up for this game as well. And uh, what better way, you know, for them to break into the win column if they could knock the Golden Gales off? If you recall, a few years ago." I think Newark was a heavy underdog going to Lancaster, and they upset them. So a rivalry game like this, which I still consider it, you know, I guess anything can happen. Um, you know, the improvement of Jaden Woods, the emergence of Jaden Woods, I must say, a quarterback who had some uh, pretty eye-opening numbers last week against Mary and uh, Harding. Hopefully that gives him, uh, you know, the confidence to go out here and do it again. I mean, uh, when you have a double threat like that at quarterback, it opens other things up for you. And, you know, hopefully he's got the confidence moving forward to continue that. Yeah, you know, current uh, assistant coach Grant Russell was the quarterback of that Newark team that upset Lancaster. Unfortunately, that's starting to get to be a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Wildcats want to make a make a new memory, mm-hmm. uh, not just uh, cling on to those old ones. And you mentioned, Jaden, you know, improvement has to start. You know, you don't always, you know, get to the end goal right away. You know, take big steps in between and you know the Wildcats were able to do that offensively uh Colin Street caught a couple of his touchdown passes uh he also uh hit Jake Sherman who you know Jake's been the quarterback primarily the past couple years but you know he's uh helping out at receiver now he was one of their leading tacklers uh last week so I, I think you know a lot of credit to players like that who say okay you know this might not be my position right now I'm going to go help somewhere else and, you know, that's something that Coach Franks really has to lean on, you know, some of these guys is to, you know, put the team first and not just worry about, you know, what they're going to do or, you know, that's my spot. Well, you know, maybe you have to play a different spot for the good of the team right now. Well, and, you know, and people have always asked me, why, what, what's wrong with Newark? Why can't they, why can't they win? Well, you got to have – you do have to have that cohesiveness and, and a bunch of team guys, and I'm not sure – uh, not a big knock on the Wildcats, but I'm not sure. I'm sure in the past, I think in the past, they've had some individuals, you know, too many eyes uh, on that team. 
So, you know, Coach Franks is trying to change the culture, and maybe, and maybe it's starting to get through to him here with the team first. Definitely. And, uh, you know, a lot of kids who we've talked, you know, about somebody like Woods coming back to the program or Logan Swanger being uh, new to the program. Uh, talked to uh, another junior, Peyton Sherrard, who's another kid who was new to the program, who, you know, asking him, okay, you know, why did you want to play football? You know, he's hadn't played football ever, and he said – you know, Coach Franks, as his first year, you know, I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to give it a chance. And he's been a kid that has uh, worked his way into the lineup on defense and it, it had a few tackles each of the past couple games. And, you know, those are kind of the, those hidden treasures that, you know, when you looked at the team maybe last January or February, you certainly didn't count on. But, you know, guys like that might be the people that can propel the Wildcats into the win column here down the road. Yeah, I, you know, one of the – you know, we we work hard on our football weeklies, and and you know it's, it is a lot of work. It's a labor of love for us. But one of the good things, is, as we talked about, I think last night was you, 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 we get to go out there and get and get these stories that people might not know about. Some of these kids, some of these first year players, the kid from Northridge, you know, who who uh, despite having that injury, it still feels like he's a part of the program and a, a learning experience for him. You know, the talking of the so called lesser teams. You know, there's stories there. There's good stories there, and I hope people are enjoying them. And we, as as much as we enjoy uncovering them. Well, and for Newark, uh, the offense mentioned having 20 points there last week. It all came after a lengthy delay in the second quarter. And uh, senior lineman Devin Nixon said it was kind of what we needed to kind of get get in the right frame of mind. Uh, you know, again, uh, you know, like we've talked about with a couple other teams recently this year. You know, a little bit of a bus ride. You know, people are dragging a little bit maybe early in the game. You get down early, and, and they had a chance to regroup and, and say, hey, we're not going to take this anymore. And uh, certainly with him and uh, C.J. Fields and and John Weaver up at the front of the uh, offensive line, you know, those might be guys that, you know, they can really lean on. And, you know, we mentioned with Lancaster, you know, usually Lancaster is a team that you say, okay, they're going to be strong in the trenches. Maybe Newark can give it to them on Friday. Uh, Newark Catholic's going to be at Watkins Memorial as we jump back into the LCL with uh, you know a couple weeks of crossover play, and this series has been really tight here the last few years. I mean, you think about Newark Catholic and Watkins back into the '80s in the heyday of the LCL. You know, this was the matchup, and ever since it got back together, uh, these two teams have not disappointed when they've gone against each other. Certainly, their records haven't been as good as those teams would have liked or what they were in the '80s. Right, and uh, you know, uh, I, I did a little research, and this is basically the, after the last seven years, this is a rubber match. Uh, they, they're tied three to three, um, and funny enough, you know, each team winning, one team winning an odd number of years, the other an even number of years. So, you know, I don't mean that. I don't know if that means Newark Catholic is due to to beat them since it's an odd number year or not. It's going to take a heck of an effort by Newark Catholic uh, to to beat a very much improved uh, Watkins Memorial team that. Has has really shown some balance here lately. I mean, with the running of Parker Hill and the, the throne of Liston Schroyer, I mean, uh, they they were really putting something together there, along along with a very sturdy defense. You know, when you have young players, you you have to make those decisions. Whereas, are we going to, you know, when you go through growing pains, you know, do you, what do you get out of it? Do you hang your head and say, well, those those guys are better than me? Or am I going to come back next year and be the one that's kind of delivering that punishment? And uh, Watkins has a whole group of offensive linemen up front who they were a lot of them were sophomores last year. 
you know, Frank Dunn and Clive Stevens Jr. You know, these guys were getting beat up on a little bit last year. Now they're an offensive line that I think opponents are going to fear. Uh, the way they can push them around. And, uh, and Parker Hill's a well-built kid himself. So, you know, you get these offensive linemen leaning on you. Then he'll, he breaks through a hole, and then he starts running over people. And, you know, it, it can be a long night for a defense. So I think that's what Watkins is going to really depend on here the next couple weeks. You know, he showed it against Chillicothe with 256 yards rushing from Parker. And uh, that's what Newark Catholic, you know, next up on the schedule is going to have to, uh, you know, pre- be prepared prepared for and certainly the green wave have just had this meat grinder i mean you you think about you know that great win against eden but it took a lot of energy you know they had that close loss with columbus academy and then paint valley you know you get down and and they spent all game trying to catch up and they just couldn't against a really good uh bearcats team well you know obviously i'm sure coach aiello is stressing let's get off to a good start for once let's get the lead for once and see what we can do with it Obviously, an uphill battle against this Watkins team, who is definitely playing at a different level than they have in recent years. But, you know, Catholic certainly has the weapons. Um, you know, the, getting Derek Hawk involved in the uh, passing game last week, hitting a big play with him. You know, the, the, the reliable Slater Evans. And, the, you know, and Matt Carlisle, quarterback, is, is one of the best in the league. There's no question about that. But, you know, as we've said before, they, they just lack depth. They, they lack depth, and this year they lack size, other than, you know, Nate Williams. It's going to be an uphill battle for them, but, they, but on the other side of the coin, they, they have to look at this as a huge opportunity. Because if they have any thoughts about, of reaching a postseason, they're going to have to win six games probably. Um, you know, They might be able to get in at five. You don't want to have to rely on that. This could be a win that they point to as turning things around. So a big opportunity for them if they can pull it off. Definitely. Uh, we talked a little bit about Licking Valley. Obviously, you know, just great what they did against Johnstown. Uh, they go to Utica and you know, I talked to Coach Rally a little bit. The Utica, obviously, uh, the Redskins are 0 3. And again, another team not where they want to be. And, you know, they've got Looking Valley this week. They have Granville next week and say, you know, how do you make sure that everybody is still preparing on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday with the same, you know, energy and focus? And he said, hey, it, it starts with us. It starts with me. It starts with my coaching staff. You know, he's got a very, uh, he's got a pretty young coaching staff, a lot of guys who, Certainly bring a lot of energy, you know, and definitely nobody on that coaching staff. And I don't think anyone around Looking County who's just mailing it in. I mean, these guys don't get paid a lot, so it's not like they're just out there getting the check. You know, these guys want to be competitive. They want to win just as much as the next guy. And they know what kind of challenge they have against Looking Valley. But, you know, they're going to give it the old college try. You know, they're going to put in the hard work every day this week and then be ready to go when it's time at 7 o'clock on Friday night. Uh, once again, you know. They got. I'm sure they're telling their kids opportunity, opportunity. You can shock the world, you know, if you put everything together here, like they've been trying to, you know, these last three weeks uh, against Licking Valley. Um, you know, the only bad thing for them is that Licking Valley is is not unlo- is highly unlikely to let down. I mean, I mean, it's human nature. You know, these next three weeks for Valley are going to be a challenge because it, against so-called lesser opponents, you know, on paper, how they handle that will be key towards, uh, you know. Moving forward for them, I'm sure they want to keep improving and stay on top of their game. But by the same token, you know, uh, this is an opportunity for Utica to pull a stunner. And, you know, stranger things have happened, I guess. Yeah, Utica has a uh, a nice passing game going right now with Colin McCullough throwing to uh, Clayton Cummins, who's a big target, and then uh, senior Ethan Adams. So, you know, you you have maybe a little bit of the – you know, big target with Clayton and then speed and somebody who can break away with Ethan – 
and uh, you know teams can't rely, can't just focus on one because he's been able to hit the other. And uh, Taren, Tanner Parsons on the defensive line had a monster game against Fredericktown on a losing effort. That's someone who, Licking Valley will definitely want to make sure he gets blocked because you know if there's been one negative that Licking Valley's had, it's been some fumble issues. So if a guy like Tanner could get in the backfield, you know he he could create some havoc there and uh, give Utica a chance to to get off the field and get some good field position. Uh, Heath will be headed to Licking Heights. Um, you know, Heath, obviously, uh, what a big win they had against North Union, you know, trailing 21 nothing at halftime. They come back and win 22-21. And, you know, that's one of those games where when we get to week 11 and who's in and who's out, you know, that might have a huge impact on whether Heath is in and, you know, North Union on the other side is out. Yep, no doubt about it. Um, this, is a, this is an interesting matchup. Uh, even though Heights is 0-3, you know, they've shown signs of being ready to bust out. And, you know, they're hoping this is the night. And uh, and Heath, uh, obviously not overlooking them, not being a bigger school, a program with a lot of tradition, a lot of pride, a lot of winning tradition as well. And let's face it, an opponent, I don't know if Heath has beaten them in, in a while, since back when Aaron Lashley played, I would say, has beaten them. So, um, yeah, tough road test for the Bulldogs, but, but also a, a huge one for them in terms of playoff points because I think Heights is going to win some games. There's no question about it. And being a bigger school, there's there's points there. So this is big this is big for the Bulldogs and, and for the Hornets to, you know, get some confidence, get on a winning track. Yeah, the beginning of uh LCL play, even though this doesn't count toward the league title, you know, this is another one of those uh maybe chances to restart your season and, and heights, especially the last two weeks playing Reynoldsburg and New Albany. You know, those are tough games, you know, certainly talented teams and you know, heights, you know, they've been a They've been close, you know, a little bit early in the games. Uh, they had some uh, opportunities where they fumbled near the goal line last week in the first half. They also got stuck uh, about the 30-yard line and threw interceptions. So it's not like they didn't move the ball against New Albany, uh, but they have to finish. You know, and, and Heath, obviously, they got started slow. And then, you know, Coach Ward uh, made the comment to our uh, our freelancer, Mike Capacci. He said, you know, he, he – Coach Ward harkened back to a, a time with Coach Collier when Coach Collier said, you, you stop calling plays at some point, you just call players. And, you know, Coach Ward had, you know, Austin Morrow and he threw a couple of touchdowns and he ran in the two-point conversion. Uh, Dane Hogue and Xavier Purrier have been a nice one-two combination in the backfield. So it's another challenge for Licking Heights, which gave up over 300 yards rushing to one player last week. So, again, just like uh, Northridge may be seeing that on film about Lakewood, you know, Heat's going to see what New Albany did. And while they don't run the wing tee like New Albany does, you know, I'm sure there's some concepts there that Heath might be able to try to take advantage. Yeah, for the first time uh, in a while, the Bulldogs have shown the ability to run the football and, and, and have that balance. And I think that's obviously what's the difference in their team this year. And, uh, and you know, yeah, they, let's face it, in recent years they've been pretty one-dimensional with the, with the passing game. So, uh, you know, that, we'll see if it gives them an edge against the Hornets. Looking Heights got Cody Wilson into the end zone a couple times, and uh, he's a guy that certainly still could have a say in the in the LCL here down the road this season. He's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start because of some of the defenses they've been facing. You know, teams are stacking maybe the deck against him, but he's a guy that uh, that can win Heights a ball game, and it could be this week uh, with his powerful running uh, and somebody Heath will have to watch out for and try to slow down. Uh, Granville at Johnstown, Dave, we talked about a little bit earlier. That's the game you'll be at. And, 
you know, Johnstown, it's not quite now or never. I think they could still probably get into the playoffs at six and four, you know, looking at what they have left as far as computer points. But man, you know, six and four, seven and three, at one and two, they can't afford to lose too many more. Yeah, that's for, that's for sure. And I think Granville knows that going in. And Coach Coach Buttermore, you know, after the after their big win against Eastmore, just minutes after, he said, you know, that's not the Johnstown team you're going to see here come Friday night, the one that faced Licking Valley. And uh, you know, as you alluded to, Johnstown, you know, they got down early against Valley, and they might and they might have panicked a little bit and tried some things. Maybe they they got out of their game. You know, let's face it, when they, when when their game gets rolling, it's really hard. They get going downhill. Uh, that that midline option, uh, you know, the power eye, it's, it's really hard to stop. And Granville knows that going in. And, uh, you know, they know it's imperative to get off to a good start against Johnstown and maybe get them behind the eight ball again. Well, and that's it. You know, again, another team that has kind of shot itself in the foot. You know, Johnstown in the past, sometimes maybe they can be a little reckless with the ball because, hey, they have the talent to overcome it. You know, they haven't been able to overcome some of those mistakes here the first couple weeks. Uh, obviously, uh, Zanesville, the, the turnovers really did them in. And then last week, you know, they get, get an early turnover. They have a chance to stick it in, go 7-7, and they uh, fumble an option right back about the 20-yard line. That's right. That's right. Uh, they had a, you know, bad punt snap that resulted in a safety. They had, you know, another, uh, you know, s- some problems in the passing game as far as protecting uh, Cole Workman. Uh, they, they got him in long yardage situations. So, you know, like you said, they, they seemed like they kind of just got out of what they wanted to do. Uh, they did score in the fourth quarter three times, much to, uh, you know, some controversy there. Uh, Licking Valley uh, certainly felt like uh, they thought Johnstown should have pulled their starter sooner. Uh, Licking Valley pretty much had backups and even maybe backups to the backups in for a good chunk of the fourth quarter. But, you know, every coach has to coach their team, and, and if that's the thing that got Johnstown going, you know, we, we'll find out on Friday. Uh, certainly, they're still trying to work that through things. And, you know, Wyatt Walton, uh, Johnstown star lineman, he was out there. A lot of these guys were out there two years ago. When Johnstown was 1-2, and two, they beat Granville, and they went on all the way through until the original finals. I don't know that this Johnstown team has quite that much talent, but they're going to kind of draw on that, knowing that, hey, the season's far from over at 1-2. Well, just, just the Johnstown, Johnstown mentality, you know. They're not going to quit. They're not going to give up on the season. And, you know, they did in the other night, and I think that, that was part of the reason Coach Carter left those guys out there was he did, he did want them to get rolling and get some confidence on the, with that offense. And, and, like I said, it's a momentum thing with them, as you know. And uh, uh, Grant, they're going to get going in the first half against Granville because the Blue Aces have not allowed a point in the second half. They've outscored opponents 51 to nothing, which is pretty impressive considering the schedule they played like, like we alluded to. And, you know, I did something on their offensive line this week in, in Football Weekly, and, uh, and a kid named Joe Welsh who came back out, whose brother uh, played played for Iowa and uh, had in a, had uh, interest from the NFL as well, so he's got some lineage on the offensive line. That, that line has been kind of a surprise for them. They were able to run for 219 yards the other night, and a, guy, and a kid whose name to, to remember is Devin Haley, uh, the sophomore running back. Uh, for uh, Granville, who you, you may remember his older brother, Brandon, who, who made such a splash over his four-year career. Devin's a little bit smaller version of him, but, man, he can fly. He's pretty elusive, and it definitely uh, gives him a change of pace in the backfield. So with them liking to establish the running game like they do, um, you know, he's, he's a name to keep an eye on. 
Well, and mentioning Granville's great success in the second half, one thing about playing these, you know, good schedules, uh, I alluded to Heath's last week, and, you know, all of these teams, you know, Newark Catholic, you know, Watkins, playing these schedules means these teams are tested through three, four quarters. You know, that sometimes you get to this point in the season and there are teams who, you know, we don't know how they're going to react in a close game in a third quarter or fourth quarter because they haven't had any. You know, these teams are all pretty tested, and that should help going through the season, knowing that, hey, they've been in these tough times and they've been able to finish. You know, Granville, I'm sure, uh, a couple times could have said, you know what, you know, we could give up a late score, but certainly they haven't wanted to do that and they haven't done that. You know, they've kept that uh, foot on the gas and, you know, kind of gone for the kill, so to speak. So that might be something to watch here this week is, uh, you know, teams, uh, how do they finish? How do they play in the third quarter and the fourth quarter? if we have some games on the line. So uh, it'll be another fun night of high school football, and we appreciate everybody uh, tuning in each week here to our podcast. Uh, football Weekly, of course, out on Thursday, and then uh, you know a lot of great action on Friday night. The first time here this week we only have Friday night games, so uh, we don't get the extra games that we've had the first few weeks. But, hey, a, a full slate of action on Friday night, and it should be a fun one. Yep, looking forward to it, Kurt. And like you say, kind of getting into the league play here and getting down to it. It's hard to believe it's week four. Yep, it keeps flying on right on by. It'll be next by next week. We'll be uh, talking about near the halfway point of the season. So enjoy uh, Friday night's action and uh, come back to NewarkAdvocate.com to see a lot of game recaps, photos, and videos.